the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Tired of the negative news and flashover substance? It's time for Today with Dr. Wendy. Dr. Wendy Patrick is a trial attorney, patriot, and Ph.D. with a passion for people and a penchant for politics. Dr. Wendy brings you the headlines, streamlined news you can use. It's time to be informed, engaged, and entertained. Now, here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Good evening and welcome to another edition of Today with Dr. Wendy. Well, my host, my co-host Larry Dersham and I have a great show. We always say that, but we actually have the uh, dubious distinction this weekend of doing a show ahead of two very important holidays. One of them, obviously, is Valentine's Day, February 14th every year. And I'm going to call the other holiday the Super Bowl. Now, you don't normally think about the Super Bowl as a holiday. I mean, after all, it's already on a holiday. It's on a Sunday. It's on the Sabbath. Uh, But there's also a buildup. There is a clearing of the schedule, shall we say. And it seems to have a lot of the other hallmarks of an actual holiday. So I guess the next step would be to move it to a weekday and all take it off, just like we're going to hopefully do someday with voting day. But because we have a show really on the eve of both of those holidays, I thought I would start with Valentine's Day and talk about something that comes up very frequently, but has been in the news lately, because when romance goes south, when the bloom is off the rose, often password sharing continues. Yes, I am talking about the reality that many people, when they're in a romantic relationship, share passwords. Shared logins often signified shared lives. And I don't mean logins to credit card companies. I mean logins to entertainment, Netflix, Hulu, different types of services that endure, that survive the death of the relationship, the dissolution of a romance sometimes isn't really over when it comes to shared passwords. I don't know, Larry, you know, uh, you and I grew up in a day and age where we didn't have these all these services i mean we had like channel two channel four five and six and we had one of those big clunky dials on the set that we actually had to get up out of our chairs approach the device and change it manually remember those days larry oh yeah i definitely do i i think i can remember three channels abc cbs and nbc i think but do they call this like a digital divorce is that a term that's working its way into our language perhaps uh, I think it is now. And, you know, Larry, the reason that I think digital divorce is so important is it actually has been worked into some settlement agreements that there are certain, you know, jurisdiction, if you will, uh, over passwords. Now, obviously, you know, couples want to make sure that their device sharing agreement, just like a custody agreement, that it complies with the law. In other words, it has to be a platform that allows for password sharing or allows to carry a certain number of people 
on the platform. That's usually what ends up happening. Um, but it's also important because what about the first day that an ex tries to log on and access is denied? I mean, isn't that when you really recognize and it sinks in that relationship is over? It is. I'm not sure it's it's ever a good idea to to share passwords, but I totally understand when people are sharing Netflix and uh, the, the entertainment ones, uh, for sure. And yeah, that would tend to make the person that is denied even more upset, perhaps. So I, it may not be a good idea, but I'll tell you, a lot of um, folks do share their passwords, and it's beyond just entertainment. In some cases, it's email and uh-huh. and heaven forbid bank accounts <laughs> oh it, can, it gets yeah. really complicated and you know Online you banks. said something that's right you said something the other day that i thought bears repeating you talked about um love triangles becoming password triangles oh yeah and we're identifying part of the danger first of all pe- most people well i shouldn't say most many people would never share passwords to begin with even if it's to netflix there are so many issues that come with digital privacy concerns that most people would not want to do it if they know enough about the ease with which the bad guys can get out there and access your information. You may be sharing a password with somebody that moves on, has a new relationship, and is letting new people access the device, which is necessarily exposing your private information. So so clearly this is a huge element of breakup. Now I know, silver lining, right? What are we doing talking about breakups right before Valentine's Day. Um, (laughs) It is true, you know, one of my latest Psychology Today articles does have to do with the reality that for whatever reason, there are breakups, many of them that occur near Valentine's Day. So make sure the password breakup takes up sooner rather than later if you're even sharing to begin with, because you bring up a lot of really good points you and I both deal with on the show is the danger of, of compromising the integrity of your sensitive private digital information. Do the digital divorce. Right. So are you saying, Wendy, that for Valentine's Day, I could, uh, to my wife, I could give chocolates, roses, or passwords? Oh, you know, I have one reader. (laughs) If you are the only person reading my Psychology Today column, I am ahead of the game. Yes. So research and studies actually show that women and men enjoy roses and chocolate on Valentine's Day. So if you are fresh out of ideas about how to really get creative, get out of the box, why not just default to tried and true? Your Valentine will love you for it. So that's just great. But Larry, before we get to Valentine's Day, I mean, we have to make it through the Super Bowl, don't we? Oh, yeah. And uh, it's super bowl lvi sometimes people have to i have to look up what is the roman numerals it's 56 it's super bowl 56 and just so you know it's the los angeles rams versus the cincinnati Bengals, and it's going to be this sunday it's going to be televised on nbc kickoff is at 3 30 p.m pacific time and uh that stadium is called SoFi Stadium is the home of our beloved Chargers now and the Rams. Uh, the first Super Bowl, this is really interesting, started in Los Angeles. In, uh, no, the last Super Bowl in L.A. was in 1993. And that was between it was held in the Rose Bowl between the Dallas Cowboys and the Buffalo Bills. The very first Super Bowl. In fact, they didn't even call it a Super Bowl. It was the AFL NFL uh, World Championship game was held uh in Los Angeles in 1967. That really goes way back. And that, that predates you, Larry, doesn't it? 
Well, let's just leave it at that. You know, it, <laughs> I, I I have to check my uh, my birth certificate. I guess check your driver's license. That's right. But then the halftime show is the Pepsi halftime show, and it's going to be kind of a rapper show. They're going to have Eminem, Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Kendrick Lamar, and I. A, a, a lady by the name of Mary J. Blige, and they've all won Grammys, multiple Grammys, except for Snoop Dogg. He has not won any Grammys, and that's the the award for the best music out there. And uh, so, hopefully, Snoop Dogg's going to pull that one off. And uh, so, I just thought that that was really interesting about the Super Bowl. So, and the commercials, check this out. You know how much they cost, Wendy. For, oh gosh! For a thirty-second 30, 30 ad, it's a six point five million for thirty seconds. Oh wow! So Larry, let's you and I only take out a uh, ten-second ad. What do okay, you say? let's go for that. <laughs> and, and Larry, speaking of ads and speaking of supply chain and all the rest of the economic issues, um, I understand you've been following a different type of Super Bowl convoy over the last couple of days. Absolutely, it all started on Saturday, January. 22nd in British Columbia, vaxxed, unvaxxed, white, black, Chinese, Sikh, Indian, alone, uh, or they were with their wives and children, thousands of trucks with their drivers honking their horns. They drove to Ottawa, which is the nation's capital, where they arrived on January 29th as temperatures dipped to four degrees. The city of Ottawa threatened to arrest anyone who brought them gas. In response, hundreds of Ottawans did just that. They brought the truckers gas. Now, Prime Minister Trudeau, Justin Trudeau, he didn't have really kind words to say about the Freedom Convoy. And uh, he just basically called them a few people shouting and waving swastikas. Well, that's kind of not appropriate for a leader of a country, I don't think. The protests were ignited by the truckers who opposed Canada's new COVID rule that requires them to be fully vaccinated when crossing the Canadian-U.S. border or face two weeks of quarantine. Uh, but uh, it's not about vaccines only, Wendy, although that's part of it. No, it's also about something else. People everywhere are sensing that unless they do something, things will never go back to normal. It's a sense that they are being ganged up on by government, the media, big tech, big pharma. Even GoFundMe cut off the truckers from their $9 million or so they had raised. So what is happening in Canada right now is much bigger than just the vaccine uh, vaccine mandates. And really, it's a message about uh, government control. And we want to... We want the people, including the truckers, want the government to start paying attention to all the fentanyl overdoses. Here in, we talked about this last week, over 100,000 people uh, in the United States last year died of fentanyl overdoses, about the suicides, the crime, the despair, and so forth. So where does it end? Well, when a journalist asked a trucker, how long do you plan on staying in Ottawa? The trucker replied, "Uh, just about two weeks to flatten the curve. And so he was kind of making light how they had the two weeks to flatten the curve. Remember that, Wendy, when we we first started? Yeah. You know, Larry, this rolling protest of the truckers, uh, they have expressed that they're here for the long haul. And they seem to be prompting not only discussion about this no shot, no salary policy. I mean, why shouldn't they pursue both health and wealth? That's their argument. But they seem to also have inspired copycat convoys in other countries. They have. Absolutely have. So we'll see where it, where it ends up, but it's, it's really something to pay attention to because this is, I think it's quite big.
this movement? Uh, aha, no play on words. These big rigs have a big message that they are bringing. And regardless if you agree with it or not, I mean, they're being forced to respond to it and to at least have the conversation. I mean, wouldn't that be great, Larry, if all of these different types of protests, if we could just spark the conversation to have everybody's voices heard? I would say that's what social media is for, but not everybody gets to stay forever on social media. All right. Well, we're going to stay on the show soon after our break. We have a very quick break. Please stick with us. You are not going to miss our next guest. You're listening to Today with Dr. Wendy. We are back in a flash. News cycle lowlights have no place here. You're listening to the headline highlights on Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego. It's time for more news you can use. The headlines streamline. It's time for more Today with Dr. Wendy. Now here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Welcome back to Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick. We are going to talk about something that kind of goes right along with Valentine's Day and the Super Bowl. And uh, that's Mexican food because we love Mexican food here in San Diego. We eat a lot of it. And we have an interesting court case that is in another jurisdiction. But the issue is what exactly is Mexican food? So we'll call this story food court. It has to do with a shopping mall where there was already a Mexican grill. And part of the lease agreement said that there couldn't be another shopping mall restaurant that also served Mexican food. But lo and behold, another place moved in and they sold salads, two of which were Mexican salads. So a judge is going to uh, earn his salary by deciding this lease dispute as to what constitutes Mexican food. Now, Larry, what do you think of when you think of Mexican food? What is it? Well, I I think of tacos. I think of burritos. Uh, California burritos, probably my favorite, but it has french fries in it, so I probably shouldn't eat it. I think of fish tacos. Uh, I think of the California Bowl. It, uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say business names, but uh, people know what I'm talking about. So I just love Mexican food. I think almost everybody in Southern California loves Mexican food. And we have so many great choices here in Southern California. Well, Larry, this judge is going to have to make the decision as to um, two salads. And one of the salads, wouldn't you know, it is called a Mexican salad. And that's problematic if you have a lease that says you can't serve anything that's Mexican food. Now, let me tell you the sort of asterisk to this story. It would be great if this judge plans, and maybe he does, in bringing in chefs that are able to testify, to provide sworn testimony as to what constitutes Mexican food. Is it authentic, this, that, or the other? Does it um, does it depend on different flavors? Um, or is it, is it going to be a very practical decision as to whether calling a salad a Mexican salad breaks the lease? Now, the other thing is, I guess this judge is going to try these, these entrees. I, I don't know how that's going to work. Yeah. So are there, are there two restaurants kind of going at each other? Because I'm not as familiar with the case as you are. Are they two restaurants that are kind of fighting each other? Well, it involves the original restaurant that was there and signed the lease and didn't expect to have any competition that also served Mexican food. Okay. And then the second restaurant basically has two salads, but one of them is called Viva 
Mexico chopped salad. Wow. Um, it has jalapenos, black beans, tortilla strips, creamy chipotle dressing. And the lease basically might not permit that kind of fare to be served by a competitor. Yeah, well, I understand that. Uh, I don't know if I ever told you this side of uh, my career, but at one point for a year, my wife and I owned a Quiznos uh, store. And uh, with the Quiznos store, uh, there were lease provisions there that... uh, you could not have uh, any competitors in that shopping um, that shopping mall, and uh, I think it's it's quite important. Now, it's interesting too. Like if you would go to a standard food court in a uh, fashion mall, uh, where there's so many restaurants kind of packed together, that would be hard to do to keep everybody. So there's only one can serve a Mexican plate and none of the others. But I totally understand the concern. It's like if you had a Starbucks, you wouldn't want a Pete's Coffee or Mister Coffee or whatever opening up a few doors down, that would be too much competition. So I I understand the concern. I think this is, in my opinion, too nitpicky, uh, just to have some some salads that happen to have the you know the word Mexican in it. But uh, it's going to be so fascinating to watch and see how the judge comes down on this. Well, you know what? This brings up like kind of the larger issue that I just think is fascinating is, you know, here we talk about, you know, Valentine's Day and the Super Bowl. And it really all comes down to, to what we're going to serve, where we're going to go to dinner. And it, it's more important than we think. You know, when you when you qualify something in terms of ethnicity or um, regional flair or however you're distinguishing your restaurant from others, you should be entitled to uh, have others abide by a lease that says that that kind of competition can't move in. I mean, Larry, if you were opening, I know you love pizza. If you're opening a pizza joint, you're not going to want to open it in the same center that already has one. But then what if somebody, you know, serves flatbread um, and calls it pizza style flatbread? I mean, it's it's just a very... Uh, interesting issue sort of to discuss. Um, But I understand that speaking of south of the border, there's probably a more interesting and provocative border issue that's on your plate for today. Well, well, you've heard of man's best friend. Well, this one comes with a very futuristic twist. And what it is, Wendy, it's basically a robot dog. A robot dogs are developing them. Uh, Science and Technology Directorate, or S&T, is working with the U.S. Customs and Border Protection, which is abbreviated CBP, to create this, not a helping hand, but a helping paw. And these these four-legged creatures, it's kind of scary. I don't see that many sci-fi movies, but it kind of reminds me of a Terminator type thing. They're four-legged creatures. You can pull these things up on YouTube easily, developed like at MIT and other places, and they run really fast. And they don't have any cores. I mean, they are self-contained. I think they're battery-powered, perhaps, and they're controlled by somebody with with a cell phone, a smartphone, or a computer. So it's not like they're just totally on their own with their own brain power necessarily. But uh, with these creatures, they can mount all kinds of interesting, um, they call them payloads on top of them. They can put uh, regular cameras, you know, high definition cameras. They can put infrared cameras to see at nighttime. And there's probably other types of technology that allows them to see at nighttime other than infrared. Uh, They can uh, create uh, listening uh, Equipment that can really listen to like footsteps, like people crossing the border through the desert and so forth. And this just came to my mind, and I don't want to put any ideas on people's head, but if you are in people's head, but if you've seen uh, any kind of the sci-fi movies like The Terminator, I mean, 
potentially they could mount uh, weapons on it, which would be very scary. It's like a drone flying, right? Because you can't get away from them. They, they can follow you here and there. But this is real. And what it's going to do, it's going to alleviate a lot of the Border Patrol duties because they, they work in high temperatures, like in the desert. Uh, they don't require water. Uh, they do require charging. Uh, but we're having such a difficult time now staffing the border because so many of our border patrols, we found out last week, Wendy, are doing processing of the people that are crossing that they don't have time to actually be out there to stop the criminals, the drug cartels, and so forth. So this is going to be a real helping paw uh, to the border patrol. You know, it's always provocative and, and controversial to talk about how we have automated so much of what people need to do because of course we have the type of perception god has gifted us with the senses and all the rest of the ways in which we're able to to really exercise that extra vigilance and we worry about delegating these god-given abilities to machines especially if as you mentioned there would ever be weapons involved. Um, But you also bring up an interesting issue is that we are very concerned about what's going on at the border. And, you know, um, I I suppose the counter argument to using robots would be, is this really the scenario where we need to to take that risk or shouldn't uh, real people be patrolling in an area that is so sensitive? And I'll say that's especially true if you're looking for things like human trafficking. Yes. You're looking for drug activity. You're trying to determine whether or not somebody is really with their parents or is in the, the companionship of a trafficker or, or somebody that they've paid to help them cross over. So it's, it's such an, really a, a timely issue to be discussing. Um, but is this really something we can expect to see? Is this a very serious idea that may actually go into effect anytime soon? Oh, yeah. And besides those other organizations, the government, our government, the U.S. government, has, has uh, collaborated with, it's called Ghost Robotics, kind of a scary name. But that's, that's yeah. the name of the ones that are really building these, uh, these uh, devices, these little robot dogs. And this is interesting also, Wendy, uh, these guys can also be equipped to detect chemical, biological, radiological, or nuclear uh, threats. And if you can imagine that, we almost think of those, those little robots that the police use, like if there's a bomb threat, right? These, these little robot devices can roll up to the package. They can examine it, carry it off, perhaps, and do all kinds of cool things. Well, this is kind of the same type of thing, but it's really built for rough terrain. So where wheels or tracks, uh, a tractor wouldn't work, these little four-legged creatures can climb. Uh, they can. Cl- I don't know if they can climb trees yet. They can climb. I think they can climb fences and hills for sure. And they're controlled by radio, Wi-Fi, or even GPS. And uh, so they're just so sophisticated, and you have to believe it's only going to get more sophisticated all the time. And again, it's I again I haven't seen that many movies, but it reminds me of the Terminator movies where they had that robotic mean policeman guy. <laughs> I, I love policemen, but th- this guy in the in that movie was kind of he was a he was a robot. And uh, so we we just have to be careful. We have all this power in our, our minds to develop these things. We just have to make sure they're not turned against us. And just think the biological aspect of it with this COVID invasion, if it did in fact leave, leak out of a lab, maybe these guys, these little robot dogs could somehow learn to detect that and, and test for it before 
it crosses the border, perhaps. You know, Larry, you obviously haven't seen the movie I, Robot. That, no, that's I have to see that. that, that okay, well, that, that's <laughs> that kind of a plot where the robots turn against humanity. But that's what people worry about. Um, gosh, we should do a whole segment on this because there are such pros and cons. You know, you mentioned the being able to detect substances that people cannot. Sort of like we use real dogs to be able to tell whether somebody's going to have a seizure or to smell cancer. And there's just all sorts of abilities we learn about almost every day. Uh, um, one thing about the robot dogs, I'll have to send you the clip. They did a clip as to the extent to which real dogs could recognize robot dogs. Ooh. And it's, it's yeah, I'll have to send it to you because it took a while, but there were some circumstances under which a robot dog was actually accepted into the pack. Oh my goodness. Anyway, wild. We love that stuff. In fact, maybe we'll have a guest to explain how that goes. And Wendy, I'm not, uh, a, I'm not a robot, just so you know. Oh, okay. Well, now that we've cleared that up, we would like to thank our listeners for joining us. You have been listening to Today with Dr. Wendy. God bless you. Have a great week. And I hope your team wins the Super Bowl. And happy Valentine's Day. Thank you for joining us for Today with Dr. Wendy. You can learn more about Dr. Wendy and how to become a guest or sponsor of the show by visiting wendypatrickphd.com. That's wendypatrickphd.com. Tune in every week at this same time as Dr. Wendy will engage and inspire you with an upbeat viewpoint on the highlights of the day. This has been Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.